At Alina Health, it's our mission to provide exceptional care, prevent illness, restore health, and provide comfort to all people in our community. Here's your host, Melanie Cole, with the WellCast. Have you sat in the bathroom countless times wondering, why me? We'll know that there are 58 million Americans who feel the same way. Irritable bowel syndrome isn't a simple illness because everybody's IBS is just a little bit different. My guest today is Dr. Christina Piper Bigelow. She's a gastroenterologist and she sees patients at the Alina Health Hastings First Street Clinic. Welcome to the show, Dr. Piper Bigelow. So tell me a little bit about IBS. What is it and what are the risk factors for it? IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. And so what I think needs to be known right away is that it's not a disease. Uh, It's a constellation of symptoms, and I often say it's like a diagnosis of exclusion. In other words, we make sure there's nothing organically wrong with the colon. So IBS is a constellation of symptoms like diarrhea, constipation, sometimes alternating between the two, abdominal bloating, gas, mucus in the stool, and intestinal cramping. The risk factors, we know that it tends to be more common in women, more than men. It tends to be a disorder of young people. So typically, before the age of 45, a person will start to have symptoms of IBS. There are also some risk factors associated with psychological issues, people who tend to have more anxiety, depression. And this surprises a lot of patients that I see, but people that have had some type of abuse in their past. So they've been sexually abused or perhaps they're in a situation of domestic abuse. So sometimes when I ask really personal questions like that, a person will look at me like, why are you asking me that when I'm here because of my diarrhea? But the fact is, it is a risk factor. So people have bloating, women especially, we get upset stomachs, you know, whether it's from stress or just that time of the month. So how do you know the difference? What would be some red flags that would send you to the doctor to get this checked out? So that's what's really difficult. I know that. And because we do have bloating around the menses and sometimes even normally the bowels may change around menses. So women are forever going, what do I do? You know, do I even talk to anybody about this? There are red flags. The red flags would be bleeding. If one is seeing blood in the stools, black tarry stools, blood mixed into the stools, unexplained weight loss or trouble with your appetite, and, and then some other things like fatigue, you know, just unexplained fatigue. Um, if the doctor says, gee, you're a little anemic, or you go to donate blood and they say, we can't take blood, you're anemic, you seem to be low on iron, those would be things that you would say, gee, I better go in and just get this checked out. How do you diagnose it, Dr. Piper Bigelow, as someone who had it when I was in my 20s and now Mm -hmm. don't have it anymore? They did a colonoscopy on me at the time just to check because Crohn's runs in my family. So how would you normally diagnose somebody? Do you always do a colonoscopy to check and make sure it's not something else? Or are there just history and things you can do? Yeah, it, it, there are certain criteria. Called, there's one called the ROME, R-O-M-E, ROME criteria, that people can satisfy. And just with those criteria, if they meet that and the symptoms are very compatible with IBS, we can sort of put it to rest. If there aren't alarm symptoms, 
the ones that I told you about that were the red flags. So not everybody gets a colonoscopy. That would be, you know, an overuse of healthcare dollars, quite honestly, because there are millions and millions of people with IBS that do not have to go through colonoscopy. Now, if somebody comes in with just daytime symptoms, they know, gee, if I eat onion and garlic, I get all this bloating, I might have some diarrhea, and then I'm better. And they can sleep through the night, they're not having weight loss. It's a pretty typical um, symptom complex, and it's fairly safe to just try some lifestyle changes first. But clearly, if there's some family history like you described, or perhaps a really strong family history of colon cancer, stomach cancer, then someone may be put through the ringer a little bit more, as we say. But oftentimes, just some very simple blood tests can be done. We look for anemia. We look for signs of inflammation. And, you know, if the symptoms are stable and not progressive, not associated with alarm symptoms, we often just treat it with lifestyle changes. And clearly, if things change or those other things start to crop up, or if someone's older, I mean, if someone's over 45 and starts having these symptoms out of the blue, those people typically go through the whole workup. They have perhaps a colonoscopy, an upper endoscopy. We look for kind of everything that could cause it. And when it's all negative, then we say, okay, this is IBS. And I think the other thing that I, I would be um, remiss if I didn't mention, a lot of times we, I will order a pelvic ultrasound on a woman with kind of the lower abdominal pain and bloating to make sure there's nothing going on with the ovaries because that can kind of overlap. It can be really tough to tell them apart. So now tell us about some of those things we can do to manage those symptoms. It can be very uncomfortable. What things can we do in our diet? And also speak about some some of the alternative things like probiotics that are cropping up all over the media. Sure. Now, there are some people respond to some probiotics, and I'm, I'm not pushing any particular brand, but the one called Culturel has the probiotic that actually has gone some, through some testing to show that in some people it is beneficial. The thing is, it's not everybody. There's not a dietary prescription that you can receive from a doctor, and that's going to take care of all of your symptoms because everybody is so different. I would say one of the most common food intolerances is actually milk or lactose intolerance. And quite honestly, once you're over the age of two or three, the enzyme which digests milk, that level starts decreasing in our intestines over time. So as we get older, we actually have less and less of that enzyme available. So undigested milk or partially digested milk causes more bloating and can cause diarrhea and gas. Other things, high gas foods, so carbonated beverages like pop, things like cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, raw fruits. The thing is, these, a lot of these are really good for you. Maybe not the pop, okay, but the other things are really good for you. So I don't think you should just, like, eliminate everything at once. Now, there is this big fad on the Internet right now where everybody is getting rid of gluten. And studies are showing that it actually is not getting rid of gluten that's making them feel better, but, in fact, something called FODMAP, and that's an acronym, and I'm not going to kind of list it out. It's a big, long name. But anyway, it includes things like high fructose corn syrup, wheat, onions, garlic, lactose, mannitol, sorbitol, like all those artificial sweeteners that people have in their chewing gum and their soda pops and things like that. So those are things that one can kind of work at eliminating. And from not from a dietary standpoint, but from a, just an overall health standpoint, is just 
you know, relaxation, um, dealing with stress. And if there are some underlying psychological issues, dealing with that with perhaps some counseling. Now, what about things that they might try that are over-the-counter if they've got diarrhea from this, trying some of those, you know, anti-diarrheal medications or fiber supplements? You see Metamucil and all these things on the market. Do we try any of those to regulate your bowels? Yeah, so I think that a lot of people who tend to have more of the constipation-predominant irritable bowel syndrome do better when they take, like, psyllium husk, which, the, yes, the name brand is Metamucil, but there are lots of generics out there. There's also something called methylcellulose, which is citrusel, and then, of course, there's Benafiber. There are a lot of fiber supplements, and I usually tell people, get the generic. It's cheaper, you know, just see if it even works for you. Sometimes people complain it makes them gassier, but honestly, those fiber supplements tend to be less gassy and bloaty than um, the the foods that have more fiber, such as beans and things. Um, the anti-diarrhea medications, that's like Imodium or Loperamide is the generic for that, and that can be really helpful, and it's not unsafe to use it. I mean, you don't want to use more than six or eight tablets a day, but it's not unsafe if a person has a lot of diarrhea. And then there are, of course, um, prescribed medications, but that that's not exactly what you asked me. <laughs> That's okay. And in just the last couple of minutes, Dr. Piper Bigelow, Mm -hmm. please give us your best advice about IBS and what to do really to keep those symptoms at bay and still be able to eat healthy and get the best quality of life. I think it really is important to eat regular meals, smaller meals, low fat, high fiber, and just learn to, to look at it and go, okay, this is my IBS. This isn't terrible. I can deal with this and and relax through it because I see people who just get incapacitated because they're so afraid of the symptoms because they're worrying that it's something more than it is. I think it's very important to eat a healthy diet and avoid the junk food, the fatty foods, going through fast food and eating a lot of um, drinking pop and things like that. It's, It's important to avoid some of these alternative things that are out there like there are people recommending cleanses and herbal teas and colonics and enemas. A lot of the products that are sold from alternative practitioners have laxatives in them that can be detrimental. And I think a lot of patients don't even realize that. Thank you for such great information. It's very important information. You're listening to The Wellcast with Alina Health. And for more information, you can go to alinahealth.org. That's alinahealth.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening.